0: chapter number two tonight normally i read the scripture and you listen but tonight since we just have two verses verse 12 and 13 of chapter number two let's read these two verses together all right chapter two verses 12 and 13 all right here we go wherefore my beloved as ye have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for how our hearts were stirred about the testimony of Blake, and thank you for the years you gave him. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to realize that Blake has run his course, he's with you now, but God, we're still here, and you have a job for us to do. There's a work, and it's your work. And Lord, I pray that we'd understand uh, our purpose and your plan for our lives, for the ages, for the church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing tonight. We've been going through Philippians and we made it through chapter one. We got into chapter two. We looked at a tremendous portion of scripture in Philippians chapter number two, dealing with. Uh, the the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. What a great portion of scripture. And we looked at that and then we get beyond cha- that in chapter number 2, and the main focus now, and we don't want to lose sight of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, but as we continue, Paul, writing under the inspiration, deals with this matter of focusing on compassion and serving one another. That's what life, the Christian life, is all about. The ultimate example for all believers has always been the Lord Himself. Uh, he is the one that we are to look to, that we are to follow his steps, that we are to follow his example. And the greatest thing I see about Jesus outside of the fact that he was God is he came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Jesus truly was a servant. And that's what the Lord wants for us, is that we would serve, serve him and serve one another. This is what we see here as Paul continues, and in verse number 12, Paul gives some very practical admonition to the church, and here it is, that we as God's people, the church of God, should work. Now, I know that the word work is uh, construed sometimes as a bad word. I know it's a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. And I think about this matter of work, the work that God has given to us. Listen now, He wants us to engage in the work. And not only engage in the work, but God, by His Holy Spirit, empowers us to do the work of God. Uh, I don't need to, and you don't need to try to do God's work in our flesh. We need to do God's work with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians fifteen ten, Paul records, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. Paul says it wasn't me, he says, but the grace of God, which was with me. It was God working through me. If we're ever going to be able to help others, serve others, make a difference in this day and hour that we live in, we certainly need to understand what is God's work, what's His plan for us. Work is a good thing, to be involved in God's work. And so as we think about the Lord's work tonight, I want you to see from these two verses, three simple principles That I find it begins with the command to work. As we've already looked at before this, and we see it here again tonight, notice verse number 12 begins with the word wherefore. Uh, God using the word here saying that just like what we already looked at, just as if Christ obeyed, we too are to obey. If He is your Lord and He is your Savior, then as He commands us to do something, we have no choice other than to obey Him, because to not obey is to disobey. And God will not bless our lives unless we do that which He asks us to do. And so I find that Paul here is paying, or really God is paying, a compliment to the Philippians. He says there in verse number 12, My, my beloved, as ye have always, and I, I know you, they say that you shouldn't use words like never and always, but it's okay when you find it in the Bible. And the Bible says here that these were obedient people, and he pays them this compliment. He says to them, My beloved. I love again that this is Paul writing to these folks that at one time, He had odds against them. At one time, he wanted nothing to do with people like this or their God that they served. But now he calls them, my beloved, expressing his love for them. And where does Paul get that love for them? Because of the way God had loved him, and now he's just reciprocating God's love for him as he's learned to love them. He calls them, my beloved, uh, Philippians 1.8, for my, God is my record, how greatly, he says, I long after you. Now look at the, look at the, the terminology here. In the bowels of Jesus Christ. In my innermost capacity. You know, I, I, I was listening to Lauren and, you know, she, she wasn't standing up here <clears throat> faking what she was saying. Her bowels were affected by this young man, or really the testimony of this young man, the God of Blake. And Paul says, that's the way that you all have so affected me. Listen, Paul, I I believe with all my heart, outside of Jesus, Paul was probably one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the face of the earth. And Paul's writing here about these people in Philippi, and he's paying them a compliment. He says, look, he says, you're my beloved. He says, I long greatly after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Why would he say that? Because there was a persistence in their obedience to the Lord. Look, it wasn't like those in Philippi one day, hey, we'll serve God today. The next day, I think we'll just kind of leave it alone. No, there was a persistency there. He says, as ye have always obeyed. I mean, what a tremendous testimony, consistently obeying the Lord. Paul was encouraged by this. Folks, listen, I see people in church sometimes, and 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 sometimes they're here today and gone tomorrow, and Sometimes they, they'll, they'll talk about their relationship with the Lord and how much they love God and how much they love God's Word, but you won't see them on Sunday night or you won't see them on Wednesday night. Hey, that wasn't the church in Philippi. They were obedient people. They were there consistently, and they were, they were pleasing not only to Paul, but especially to the Lord. And Paul was encouraged by their consistency. He says, look, even at at times when I was not there... Guess what? You were still being obedient to God. It's like the old adage, when the cat's away, the mice play. Sometimes if I'm gone, I don't always intentionally do it, but but it's it's just one of those things when people know the pastor's gone or going to be gone, they're like, well, hey, listen, the pastor's gone. He won't know if I'm at church or not. You got it all wrong. You missed it. It doesn't matter what the pastor knows or doesn't know. The only thing that matters is what does the Lord know. See, why do you do what you do? We ought to always obey and really, uh, I'm not asking you to obey me. I'm asking you to follow the Lord. Paul wrote, follow me as I follow after Christ. So he pays them a compliment, but then notice he gives a command to the Philippians, The Bible says in verse 12 again, he says, Not as in my presence only, but now how much more in my absence. Watch the command work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, here's what the command is the command is to work. Now, people misunderstand this portion of scripture. They see the word or words work out. The very words there mean to perform, to accomplish, to achieve, to do something with some kind of result coming from it. Now, when you study it, the very tense of this these words are given in the active voice. They are in meaning, they are continuous in nature. What he's saying here to them as he's writing is, you need to be working out your salvation it's not a one-time thing that he's talking about here now don't misunderstand he's not teaching that we need to work to be saved that's not what paul's saying here all right it doesn't say work for your salvation it says work out your salvation see it's after we are saved. That you and I need to be working continually to grow to full maturity. Paul talks about in his life that God was still working on him. Anybody here a perfect Christian? No, none of us are. We're all a work in progress. And the Word of God says that we need to be working out, we need to be growing to full maturity. When God saved you, what God gifted you with was the Holy Spirit of God. Every one of us receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do things, for instance, to love. He gives us the ability to endure. He gives us the ability to be long-suffering towards others. You see, God has begun a work in us, is what the Bible teaches us, and we are to work out day by day what God is doing in our lives. Here's a great verse. Look at Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he, God, which hath begun a good work in you, will, notice future tense, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So God is continuing to work in our lives. Somebody said, if traces of Christ's love artistry be upon me, may he work on me with his divine brush until the complete image be obtained and I be made a perfect copy of him, my master. That's what all of us should desire. It's every day of my life, I wanna be more like Jesus. And in the end of my life, may it be said of me and said of you that he or she was like his Lord and Savior. That's what we need to understand tonight. But see, as Paul is telling them about working out their salvation, growing to maturity, he gives a caution. I want you to see it with me tonight because he says, do it with fear and trembling. Now, again, people don't take the time, but the word fear here is dealing with respect, something that's even rare in our day-to-day. Is that you and I, what we do for the Lord, folks, I I think about how many opportunities that I've had to stand behind this sacred desk and to declare the the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you something, there's never been a time that I've got behind this pulpit and, and not been afraid or not had an awesome respect for God, for God's Word, and for what I'm about to do. And the Bible says that we need to work out our own salvation, but we need to do it with respect. We need to make sure that we're respecting honoring God with our lives. And Paul says, look, you need to understand the caution here. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and good understanding, notice there, have all they that do His commandments. And Paul's saying, look, the command is that you and I need to do the work of God. See, the one who is striving to grow in their life as a Christian, which is Paul's writing to those in Philippi, he says those individuals that want to grow, they will have a humble spirit, and they'll always be aware of the fact that there is temptation out there, but he's relying or she's relying on the power of Almighty God as they go through life. And so Paul's writing here, and he gives a command in verse number 12, and it is a command to work. But notice, I see the companion in the work, because it's one thing, and by the way, uh, you you, you could ask Lauren. I know we used to say it a lot when I was out in California at the Bible college out there. I heard it when I was in Bible college, and a lot of times we would tell the students, look, you can come. And you can get whatever degree it is. You can study whatever you want at this college. And you might get a degree, a diploma that you can hang on your wall. But if you leave here without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you've missed the most important thing. And folks, that's true of all of us. That, listen, there is a work to do. And by the way, you don't have to be called into full-time ministry to be involved in the work of God. I'm thankful and grateful for some of our our folks that have been involved and been consistent like those in Philippi who just continue to serve here in this local church, and I'm glad that God is dealing with others and calling others to get involved, and maybe you're here tonight and maybe you've been thinking about, hey, maybe I need to get involved in some way or the other, And, and by the way, as a pastor, I'm always looking and always praying and saying, Lord, if there's a need, then show me who it is that maybe we can can, uh, encourage and, and plug in there and work with. Hey, look, I'm always looking for opportunities for someone to serve in some way. But what you need to say is, Lord, here I am. I volunteer, God, what can I do for you? And I see here that there is, as we see the work tonight, the command to work, but I see a companion in the work. Look at verse 13. The Bible says... For it is who? God. God. Word of God makes it pretty clear who our companion is, right? You see, this isn't my work. It's not your work. Our companion in the work of God is God. Jeremiah said, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness I have drawn thee. You see, I see the work of God, first of all, that, again, we need to work out our salvation. Why? Because it is God which worketh. You know, it's talking about once we are saved, then we understand salvation and then sanctification, this ongoing, continual process in our lives. Sanctification is ultimately God's work. I mentioned this verse this morning. Look at it in your notes in Ephesians 2.10, we... The saved are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Look at Hebrews 13. The God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you. Now watch this. He he brought him from the dead, and then the Bible says make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you. See those words? Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So look, as we understand, God's given us a work to do, but we're not in it alone. We have a companion. The Lord says, I'll help you. Look, it is God which worketh. And so I want you to see, secondly, what are some ways that God does work? Well, one way that he works, and I I love this, God works through his word. That's why we need to teach the word of God, preach the word of God, share the word of God, read the word of God. Because the Bible says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. So it's important for us to understand that one way that God works is God works through his word. Uh, we, we Every year, and we'll do it again this year, Brother Kenny and Miss Becky, we'll, uh, they've had one snack uh, with the teens selling things, trying to help Uh, raise support, raise funds for our teenagers to go to camp. They've got another one coming up. They may do something else, do something different. Brother Kenny and Miss Becky have things to do. They've got a life to live. But this is important for our teenagers to pull away from life for one week, get away from all the noise of this world, put their cell phones somewhere where they can't get to them, and listen to God. How does God speak to us? Through His Word. God works through His Word. Another way He works is through His Spirit. I think about it in every way in our lives. The Holy Spirit is involved wholeheartedly in our sanctification. Uh, look what somebody said. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, and the Holy Spirit has been sent to prepare us for that place. Remember what Jesus said? I go away to prepare a place for you. And he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will send another one just like me. He will guide you in all what? Truth. See, we need God's Holy Spirit to help us to understand. And God works through his Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans fifteen six that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles is, might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. God works. He works through His Word. He works through His Holy Spirit. How about this? God works through trials. Many times people view trials as a bad thing. God, why am I going through this? I don't understand. Why is this happening to my child? And on and on. It may be something that you've gone through. It may be something that you will go through. I mean, I don't think on December 31st that Blake had any idea. I don't think his parents. I don't think the Bible college. I don't think his friends had any idea of what was going to happen in that young man's life. And the truth is, none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. But when trials come, God works through them. Certainly, he commands us to work, to be maturing, to be obedient as his children. But as he commands us to work, he says, look, I will be with you as you're working for me. And I see here that the Bible says, knowing this, James 1, that the trying of your faith, notice the word worketh patience. There's a purpose behind that trial. God's using it. God will change you. Look, he'll work in your life different than he might work in my life. He's going to show you something. And the Bible says, let patience, let, in other words, what God's trying to do in your life through that trial, he says, let that patience have her perfect work. In other words, let God do His work in your life. Let Him show you what He wants you to see. And it says that ye may be perfect, mature, and entire, wanting nothing. So I see here that there's a companion in the work, and that we understand the work of God is there in the ways of God, how God works in our lives, and what God uses. But then notice. And I see this so many times in the Word of God, the completion of the work. Brother Flynn's been studying the book of Nehemiah on on Sunday mornings, one of my favorite books on leadership in the Bible. And and Nehemiah had a project that God gave to him, and he completed that project. I've always kind of been that way in my life, and I, I don't know if I necessarily pride myself in that way, but I don't like to start something if I can't finish it. So many times you see people start something and not finish it. Recently they had, they've got the Creation Museum, beautiful, if you ever get a chance to go, you should you should take an opportunity to go to the Creation Museum, but uh, they recently built, I don't, I don't even know, I know it was millions of dollars, they built the ark. Kenny's mom and dad that were here, they went and saw it and said it was just amazing. But I remember years ago, I used to travel a lot before God led us here, and I'd go, I believe it was the state of Illinois, we'd travel through Illinois, and every time I went by on the highway by this one area, I knew that I was going to see something. And what it was, is years ago, some somebody decided that they were going to spend the money, and they were going to build a life-size replica of the ark. Now, they decided they were going to do it out of steel beams. And you could check the construction back in the day, but I don't think Noah had a steel beams mill that he got any steel from. But nonetheless, they started this, and they got this structure, half of a structure. I mean, honestly, it just looks like a bunch of twisted steel beams, and every time you drive by, I think to myself, what a waste. Should have never started. But last time I read the Word of God, when Noah started building that ark, he finished it. And you know what? God has begun a good work in you. And you know what God wants to do? He wants to finish what He started. He wants His work to be finished in your life. And when I think about this, I see, look at chapter chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible says, it is God which worketh in you. Now here's the key. Why is He working? Look at this, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So I see here that, as the songwriter said, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Every one of us need to understand that God wants and intends for his work to be completed. God does not want there to be a stoppage in your life and mine and in the work that God has given us to do. And I love the fact that God is a personal God. He loves to get involved in our lives. He wants to know what is happening. He's interested in our lives. And God, as the writer writes here, God is working in us both to will and to do his work. It's not my work. I came to South Florida to do the will of God. I came to get involved in the work of God, and I desire for God to work in me and through me, and that ought to be the prayer of every one of us, that God's work would be completed in us. So look at this, first of all, I see here to will. God has a definite goal, a purpose for us. Ultimately, God wants his will for all of us and here it is, to be conformed to the image of his dear son. In other words, if we are Christians, we should be like Christ. That's what the scriptures teach. Romans 8:29 For whom he, God, did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Sometimes God gives in our lives, and this may happen. I've had it happen in times of my life. God may give us a discontentment for where we are as a Christian. Now again, certainly I'm glad for what God has done in my life. But if you're honest tonight, if you are just like me, you probably would agree with this statement, I am not where I should be as a Christian. And what happens is God gives us that discontentment. Now, look, I'm, not, I'm content in the Lord, but there are times where I become discontent because of where I am spiritually. God sometimes will stir us up, that he wants us to grow in him and in his righteousness. Look at Philippians 3. The Bible says, Paul writes, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend, that for which I, I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I'm not there yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And you know what Paul's saying there? I'm not real content with where I am right now. I haven't read my Bible as much as I should. I haven't been a faithful witness as much as I should. I haven't loved other people the way Jesus would love them. Paul says, but he says, I follow after. See, it's one thing to just quit, give up on God. But God wants to finish his work. Paul says, look, he says, I follow after. He says, I'm after that. John Newton said, I am what I am. That what I might be. He's, or I am not what I might be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be, but I thank God. I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And Paul's saying here, look, he says, it is God's will to will, but notice secondly, to do. See, it's not just to will, but to do. Ephesians 3, 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. God is wanting to do something. The God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Richard Baxter said, this life was not intended to be the place of our perfection, but the preparation for it. See, he says it's it's to will, but he says it's also to do. Well, what's he talking about? Notice letter C, to benefit. This is the purpose of his pleasure. God delights. He delights in benefiting us and bringing good satisfaction into our lives. Look at the Bible, says in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by who? They're ordered by the Lord. He delighteth, God delighteth in his way. He tells us in the book of Romans to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that you and I might live a life that is pleasing to him, that he would be pleased with us, that God would be delighted in us. See, God's will is beneficial to us, and in the end, you know what happens? God gets all the glory. That's what Paul said. You see, God's will is good. It never brings a bad result. God's will is acceptable, the Bible says. It's never distasteful. God's will is perfect. Again, here's what it means. It will have a completion. God wants to finish. And God is working through us. But think about this. You and I, together, we can accomplish, with His help, His work. Let's bow our heads tonight as we think about the work of God. It's a good thing. Work is a good thing. You know why? Because it is his work. It's a work that he began in us. God is working things out in our lives, and one day you and I are going to look back over our lives, and we're going to say, you know, it's a good thing that I was involved in the work of God. It's a good thing, just like those in Philippi, that I obeyed God in the work that he gave me to do. How many of you tonight would say and acknowledge the fact that you know that God has something, a purpose for your life? He's left you here for a reason. By an upraised hand, I know that God has a purpose for my life. Every hand tonight. If you don't know what that purpose is, that should be your prayer tonight. Lord, help me to understand. Now, certainly some things are easy. They're a no-brainer, if I can put it that way. God wants us to be a witness for Him. But God has a purpose and a plan to will and to do of His good pleasure. Lord, thank You for this evening. Bless the Word as it's gone forth tonight. Lord, I pray that You'd help us to see what the Apostle Paul saw for his own life and what he saw in those in Philippi. Lord, here's just a local body of believers but he compliments them, but he cautions them that they need to work out their salvation. Lord, they need to be continually doing the will of God, but they need to make sure that they're doing it with fear and trembling, with respect unto you. Lord, I pray in the days ahead as we do your will that, God, you would richly bless us and that you would continue to bless this church. Bless the invitation tonight. In Christ's name we pray, amen.